if you are a buyer and you're buying one of those homes that just has been built, whether it's been built in the last five years and it's new and modern, it wasn't built by a national reputable builder, just some random small builder, you really need to have a very competent, long-standing inspector on your side to call attention to those issues. Welcome to the Urban Connect Podcast. I'm Jennifer Archambeau, the broker owner of Urban Provision Realtors. I'm excited for you to be tuning in today, and that probably means you're a buyer, seller, or a homeowner looking to gain more clarity on real estate here in Texas. Whether you're just embarking on your first home purchase or have bought and sold a few homes in your lifetime, the inspection period or option period, as we refer to it in Texas, is often an anxiety-prone territory. It doesn't matter if you're a buyer or a seller, as the inspection report findings does not discriminate and has the ability to deliver either the good, the bad, or even sometimes the ugly. I felt it was time to clear up confusion, dispel facts from fiction, and most importantly, to help both buyers and sellers not see the inspection as a hindrance, but as a pathway leading them to a common end goal. This is why I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Joey O'Brien with Inspected Austin. Joey has been in the construction inspection business in the Austin area for over 20 years, affording his clients that he is intimately familiar with the building process as well as issues that arise during homeownership. Throughout his career, he's had the privilege of working for some of Austin's premier builders. His background enabled him to gain an extensive knowledge and expertise of the construction process. Joey's intensive to detail and produces easily re- and interpreted reports for all of his clients. He is licensed by the Texas Agricultural Commission for Wood Destroying Insects, NAWT, which is the National Association of Waste Butter Transporters, and holds a professional home inspector license by the Texas Real Estate Commission. In addition to playing a role in today's real estate market here in Austin, Joey is also an OEF veteran. Through both his construction and military backgrounds, He provides a wealth of knowledge, allowing him to tackle any job with the utmost respect and integrity. He has also carefully trained all of his inspectors to work with the same integrity and attention to detail. I asked Joey to be a guest on Urban Connect as his wisdom inherited through straddling both industries would afford our listeners the opportunity to gain the deepest understanding of the home inspection process. Joey, I'm very honored to host you as a guest and welcome you to Urban Connect. Appreciate it, Jennifer. Glad to be here. So I think we should just dive in. You know, Joey, you and I have worked together for a number of years now. I know what constitutes a qualified inspector, and it's, you know, from, you know, seeing unqualified um, and having client issues arise. But based on your experience, what questions should a buyer, seller, or even homeowner, I mean, anybody can get an inspection report. So what questions should they be asking to make sure they're qualifying their inspector properly? There's a couple things to look at. If you, if you think about it, first off, buying a house is, is the single most expensive purchase, you know, that, that you're going to do in your lifetime. That being said, it's, it's on the same level of one of the most important decisions of your life moving forward uh, with the purchase of that house. So you're going to get a recommendation for a home inspector. A lot of times your agent will give you three, four or five However, when you're looking for your home inspection, when you're looking for the company to represent you in this in this period, in this time, you need to see who they are. Not that just the fact that they're a home inspector, who they are, what is their background, where have they been, 
Also, another thing to do, um, like we kind of have mentioned before, look at the product you're purchasing. So in other words, look at the reports that they produce. One of the biggest things is, is and I even say this hesitantly because today, man, you, you can, you know, the saying, you know, if it's a, a happy person, you won't hear about it, but an unhappy person, you're going to hear about it. So get on the website, look for reviews, personal reviews, not bot reviews. What are they saying about the person you're trying to hire? You know, uh, that's another good source. But the approach that I've taken on my team is the two things. I, I think 98% of my staff in, in, in regards to the home inspection uh, world have been home builders. So I, I think it's crucial. I mean, uh, you don't have to be a home builder to be a home inspection. If you haven't, then you need to apprentice. The state of Texas took the apprenticeship away over 10 years ago, meaning that's the only way you could go into it. I still do that on my team. Any inspector that I bring on, um, they are home builders. Sometimes they even have more experience than me in the industry, but they're still going to ride, we call it right seat, left seat, you know, for a minimum. So uh, make sure that your home inspector is qualified and qualified in the industry, meaning, you know, um, what have they done? Have they been in the trade? Have they, you know, what does other reviews clients say about them? And then look at the product you're buying. It sounds like you're suggesting that they, you know, vet them, like, what's your background, you know, dig deeper. But, you know, I've always had this come up where they they have a background in real estate somehow, some way, or or a a trade. Maybe they were an electrician or a plumber or an HVAC guy, and now they're in the inspection business, which we've seen, right? But you find sometimes those reports are leaning the direction that they came from, and what I found is when you get an inspector like yourself or some of your guys who've come in and they're builders, they look at the product as a whole and they don't assume that they have so much knowledge in one area because correct me if I'm wrong, you're just there to identify the issues. You're not there to be the expert in plumbing or electrical or roofs, correct? Correct. And that's the approach that I take and that I've, I've, I've taught all my guys. It's almost like you're the contractor, meaning when you go into a home inspection, the state of Texas, believe it, it's real simple. Honestly, the state of Texas doesn't require a home inspector to do very much. If you actually look at the SOPs, fire structure safety. Okay. And then we observe and report potential risks of, you know, loss of property, life falls under that safety uh, that perimeter again. So 100%, you, you, you come in there, we give you an overall picture and view, and then we help point you in the you know, direction of, okay, you know, we're not required to give you a priority list. We do only because we have that background and we kind of can. We know that a 3050 window that is fogged over and, and it's uh, ultimately it's cosmetic in nature. However, 3050 is about 325 bucks. And there's three or four different companies here in Austin that you can go about having that done. So kind of prioritizing fire structure safety and then aesthetically cosmetic. I mean, we can't make too big of a deal on that. But at the end of the day, that 3050 window is 325 bucks. And if you got 10 of them, you should probably need to know and, and prioritize that on your list. So, but yeah. You mentioned something and I didn't know this happened. I mean, this is, I guess I was living under a rock, but appraisers have to do apprenticeship. Plumbers have to do apprenticeship. Real estate agents don't, which they should. And inspectors, like you said, did. Now they don't. So I think it's now of the importance when you're choosing someone, 
you know, whoever you're getting the referral from, when was the last time they worked with them? Was it in the last three to six months or last two months or last month, not last two years? Because people are as only good as their last, I say, transaction in real estate or inspection as inspector. So and then the other thing would be, I feel like that for, for, for my clients, I would always want them if they're on the fence of not showing who they could hire and they're trying to decide between one or two people, maybe ask for that sample inspection report that they've done in the past. I mean, striking out some of the, you know, the personal information from that report. I'm sure that all inspectors have those, but that's going to give yeah. you some insights of how they report, what they say, and how knowledgeable they are about the whole home as, a, as an entirety, not just a segment of the home. Yeah, 100%. You're, you're looking at their craft. You know, you're looking at their trade. So let's talk about the report details um, because, you know, reports can be, you know, you've seen them. I've seen them. They can be 25, 30 pages or 60, 70 pages. It depends on the age of the home and the, the issues. Right. So we talked about what you're required to report on. But can you explain a little bit more granularly? Like what will a buyer see, but what will they not see on an inspection report? Again, we, you kind of hit on it earlier, and, and I said, you know, we're kind of the contractors. The contractor is kind of the overseer, knows a little bit and is qualified, you know, a little bit in each area. It's the same thing with the report. You know, you're going to get an overall on each section. When I say fire structure safety, you know, you have your structural systems, your electrical systems, your plumbing systems. Then they have an other section or additional options, meaning, you know, if your inspector is licensed to do pools, septic systems, irrigation, you'll have that section. So it's a brief overview on each section. But like say when we get into electrical, now the state has just recently come out with new electrical requirements for inspectors and, you know, electricians, codes changing all the time. But so, for example, plumbing, I mean, we're going to tell you the type of plumbing that it is. And we're going to tell you that it was functioning at time, you know, of the inspection. Now, we're not going to tell you diameter. I mean, we, we don't get technical. It's not technically exhaustive, you know, in the nature of, you know, we can show up. We can tell you what it is. We can tell you that it was inspected and that all basins were filled, draining, working. However, you're not going to find some of the smaller details and stuff. And um, we just started having to, to, to put in the material type. 2021, I think they, they required that. I might be wrong. It might be 2020. Um, but they just enacted it. The state of Texas did in Trek. So now you will see the type of material. So Kitech. Um, that's why a lot of you know people are starting to see what's Kitech? How come all of a sudden I'm hearing about that? Well, the state just required us to tell you if you have it. The technical stuff you're not going to see, but overall at the end of the day, what and you've heard me say, what you will see, um, especially when you when when you are, are employing us, is is it going to keep or is it going to hurt you or your family? Is it going to cost you money? And your report should be able to tell you that. I piggyback on you when talking to client. You're going to see what's working as intended on the day of inspection, but you're also going to see what's deficient on the day of inspection. And those words are enunciated on the day of inspection because they, I want a, a consumer, buyer, seller, whomever to understand to understand that you're reporting based on today, not based on if it's going to last. Yep, 100%. And again, to talk about what we just previously did about the experience and stuff, yeah, you're turning a faucet on, you're turning it off, but your inspector having 
a background in the industry, being a builder, uh, not to mention the amount of homes he's been in. We're in over 400 homes a month. So that affords us to see even more things. So, you know, you turn on a faucet and it has a slap sound. You're like, oh, what's that? What does it feel? Does it, the Trek, I've met the standards. It feels, it shuts off, it's not leaking. But if it's slapping me, I want to know because I've worked that warranty call or I've worked that problem when my guys, my plumbers missed strapping that strap. And if you don't properly locate that or strap it, that could be a potential cause for a leak later on down the road because the piping is not strapped. And so it sits there every time you turn that faucet on and slap. So um, again, not to derail and go off what you're saying, but those are things that you're going to see and why it is important to make sure that your inspector is qualified and he's, and he's been around a bit. And, and because following the state standards and what we have to report on to the report, is basic in sense. However, mm-hmm. you can go as deep as you want. But at the same time, we get three hours to, to, or four hours, depending on the size of the house, you know, to, to give you the best idea of, of what you're, you're walking into without us living in the house and testing it ourselves. So are there components of the home, and I know you and I've had this conversation before, that should be deemed more important than others? And I know it's hard to tell a, um, a buyer that you should look at this or that. And I know you as an inspector aren't, aren't telling them that, you know, your roof is more important than your GFCI. I mean, I know you and I both know it is, right? But as a buyer from an inspector's perspective, how would you get peace of mind on the buyer side to know that, yes, you're going to see a laundry list of things, but they're not created equal. What would you be saying to that buyer? You have to look at, okay, like I just said, we're in over 400 homes a month. We've been doing this for, for a bit now. So if I had to prioritize the, the, the big things that we see that, that, that are coming up on a report that kills deals or that costs people extremely a lot of money or put their life at risk, I break it down to three things. And a lot of people won't agree or, or think this, well, they're not in, you know, as many homes and they haven't seen this. Then if they're going to disagree, it's your roof, foundations. Grading and drainage. If I had to put, and even as a builder, even on the building side, when having to replace or coming in, I would say roof, foundations, grading and drainage. Those are the three big heavies. A water heater's bad. Yes, it could leak and it could cause damage there, but a water heater, roughly 1800 bucks, depending on the size install, everything can be fixed. However, when you get into a roof issue, that could be ongoing and it could be hundreds of thousands if it was done wrong, if it caused a leak that you couldn't see. Because when a roof mm-hmm. leaks, honestly, a lot of people think, oh, a roof leaks and I see a, a, a water spot. Yeah, believe it or not, that's very, that's marginal the times that you see that. A lot of times when a roof leaks, it's leaking for a couple of years and you don't know about it. Foundation, I mean, foundation, the sky's the limit. You can, you can have a bad foundation. And a lot of times people come in and fix the foundation. You can't truly fix a foundation without fixing the problem that cause the foundation to do that. And again, <clears throat> that could be endless. And then grading and drainage, that kind of ties into the foundation and structural part of the part of the house. You know, and I see this a lot, like when you get out, you know, in, in Westminster, you know, Glenn, the, the, on the hills, a the, the little bit complex, you're building a house on the side of a mountain or something like that. And you got soil looking out the front of the door 20 feet up. That's, you know, you got to make sure that everything's drained and properly done because if that drainage is not, it's going to affect the foundation and it's, it's ongoing. It's not ongoing. I would say those three things. Everything else, I keep it in a mindset of like it falls onto that money thing. Can it be fixed? Of course it can. Can it be negotiated? Of course it can. 
Right. There's a fixed dollar. I think for anything underneath the roof, and I'm AC, I'm saying it underneath the roof and the condensers generally outside, is a fixed dollar. These other things you said, there's not a fixed dollar that's going to make that repair. That repair could be wildly minimal or major. Before we talk about wording, because I, I want to talk about wording on inspection reports, but I want to talk about grading and drainage because we're seeing a lot of evidence. And I, I know that markets like Dallas and Houston are seeing it too, but we're seeing a lot of it here in Austin. And I think the reason why we're seeing a lot of it now versus before is we've had this big uptick in new construction and gentrification and teardowns and builders trying to be builders that weren't builders before. And they're not understanding that that grading and drainage has to be done at the time of site prep. I mean, you can do it later, but it creates foundation problems. I mean, I have an agent friend of mine now who is an agent, bought a house. And even though she's an agent, she, I mean, there's grading issues that she wasn't aware of because it's hard to really see grading problems until we have major, you know, issues with, with water, right. Or not water to see that pattern. And I mean, you can speculate what's going to happen, but you really truly don't know. So, yeah. you know, I feel like we're seeing a lot of that or we're getting all these, you know, condos or townhomes or duplexes or multiple structures. They're building too much. They're really not thinking through that grading. They're just thinking about how to build vertically as much as they can. Yeah. And they're not, they're not thinking that in, in areas like, you know, Houston, where the permitting is not as buttoned up as it is here, a lot of that just, you know, goes by the wayside. So, you know, I feel like if if you are a buyer and you're buying one of those homes that just has been built, whether it's been built in the last five years and it's new and modern, it wasn't built by a national reputable builder, just some random small builder, you really need to have a very competent, long-standing inspector on your side to call attention to those issues. 100%. And, and again, coming to that top three that I mentioned earlier, it, it's exactly what you're talking about. I've been the builder and I've dealt in the same neighborhood. Say I was in uh, Benbrook for no, Olympic Heights in South Austin um, in the early 2000s. That, na- that neighborhood was an absolute nightmare. And I was stuck in there for three years. And in three years, I had clients I was dealing with for three years because of the drainage issues and stuff. House, beautiful, great, but we could not get the drainage figured out. And like you mentioned, site prep, all of that stuff, it starts at that very beginning. And not to, to run off the, you know, to the side on grading drainage. However, it's, we, you say we're starting to see it more and more. I know in my, in my neighborhood personally, we started out, you know, I live in Santa Rita Ranch. There's, you know, a nice, big, beautiful ridge area. There's, and that ridge goes forever. Well, the builder first, the first ridge lots started out as 80s. Well, then all of a sudden they stopped. They had to develop and come back in. He cut those in half and they're doing zero lot lines and now they're 40s. Guess what you have over there? You have drain, <laughs> drainage issues because now you have houses that are sitting on top of each other. They're longer and they go higher. The sun never hits in between those houses and those people, they're lock and leave, you know, the, and, and so their yards are immaculate. They're putting a lot of water on them and, and they, they wonder why they have drainage issues. Well, cause the builder is slapping the houses down on top of each other. The more, the smaller the lots, the more the houses, obviously the, the more money. So. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. Builder um, issue one-on-one. So let's talk about the wording before we move on from this actual inspection report. But I've always said that the wording, wording life matters. It doesn't matter where it is, email out of your mouth, uh, on text, doesn't matter. How you say something matters. And I know that wording on an inspection report matters, but can you tell me and our buyers who are listening and maybe our sellers are listening, why it matters so much in the terms of an inspection report and why you're in, you want to see how an inspector writes the the words on the report before you choose them. So, and, and I'll be real clear and 100% honest here. I teach and train my guys uh, what you're saying. <laughs> vocabulary when we're on new construction. So I want to use the terms we use when we were building, you know, even though the clients might not understand it, uh, I'm like a frame inspection and I'm talking about a double top plate spice within 24 inches. I'm talking it just like it's on that, that blueprint. However, that's for the builder. One, I want the builder to look at the inspector that you hired his report and say, okay, this guy's legit. He's built before. And, and, and so I'm going to pay attention to it because when you get a new construction, especially on phases, I'm telling you right now, probably 90% of those builders throw that in the trash unless they can look at it and you can capture their, their uh, attention right up front. Now, from an inspection standpoint, new construction, that's that. The other verbiage and lingo like you're talking about, you know, we get the rare opportunity, like I've already said, to represent our clients in one of the most crucial and important times in their life. That's a lot of power. So if I come in and I see a little bit of moisture on the windowsill, I'm going to say moisture observed at, you know, master bedroom windowsill, uh, dry at time of inspection. I'm going to back it up with a probe and a thermal. As to where if you look at some other reports, they're going to be like water leak observed at master bedroom window. And if there's any type of brown or anything like that, possible mold, possible. And it's like at the end of the day, I know exactly what that is. That's welcome to Texas. Our windows condensate whenever we have a drastic change. Or if you're one of those people like your AC at 65 degrees year, you know, all through the summer, mm-hmm. you're going to get that condensation and it's going to do that. Now, which inspector just put that that possible contract at, at, at risk? And what I mean, I, not that we're working to hide or anything. However, you could have been going eight months and y'all can attest to this eight months trying to get a deal, looking at hundreds of homes and stuff. And you now just scared this client because of something, a non-issue because how you chose to talk about it. And 90% of the time inspectors choose their wording such as that to protect themselves. And, and that's where the, for me and what I've trained my staff and, and my guys to do call it, Call it what it is, but be careful. I mean, moisture is the same as is, is water coming in, but a water leak tells me it's an ongoing source. It could be much more. Now, if you don't know, then 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 don't own it. Say unable to determine further recommendation, but don't call it water leak observed, you know, or, or and I can say that on so many areas, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. but, it, but it's risk of electrocute electrocution and death. I've seen that on a report. I'm like, holy moly. You know, you just said, I think that's when you find that the, uh, the inspector trying to speculate on what it is and they're trying to be that additional professional giving that advice, which that's not their role in the process. 
So this goes into immediately into additional professional advice. So, you know, when do you find that it's important for the buyer to seek that professional advice beyond your services? So let's talk about this window that's probably foggy from condensation. When is it important to hire the window guy? When is it important to hire the foundation guy? Like, is it important to, if you if you're walking through the house and you see it, hire them before the inspection or wh- what channels are the best channels to navigate inspect and then have additional layer of professional advice or get everybody in all at once and have them all saying different things, like different things. So, yeah, I mean, of course I'd recommend let get, get the professional in there first. And when I say professional, get your home inspector in there first, have them give an overall view from that in his report. If he's a good inspector. You'll have an overall Review And then it comes into something my grandfather used to say to my mother and then my mother said to me, peace is priceless. So get that overall, uh, you know, view of the house. And then if, if it's not explained properly, if if he recommends further evaluation, then it has to you, you, you kind of weigh it yourself in that category. So worst case scenario, a perimeter wall, which is that master bedroom wall. And if it was leaking, what's the extent of the damage? What is it? Does it look like just a little paint? Kind of prioritize it. And your inspector, if, if, if experienced enough, can help prioritize that. And then that's when you, you, you know, can take it a step further to have somebody come in and do some testing or, you know, put that on the seller or, or whoever and negotiate it to be to checked out. To, to mainly answer your question, though, if it falls in those top threes, like I said, the roof, foundations, grading and drainage. I, ha- I implement something on my team. We have to have three flags. So if I get on a roof and I see deflection, a lot of inspectors will say deflection observed at roof, you know, possible. And there we go with the speculation. Okay. Well, in order to have deflection, you have to have trusses, those engineer trusses or high rafters. So that would be a second flag. So you need to be getting in that attic. You need to see what's the cause of that deflection. And then that third has there been any damage? Is there any result? Is there a problem now? Because if there's deflection and there's no high rafters and there's no, or let's say there is a high rafter, but there's no damage from it, why talk about it? There's nothing wrong with it. There's no immediate risk to life, property, uh, or, or your pocketbook. So that that's kind of that three flag. Then we talk about it. And if you got those three flags, then yeah, you want to call a roofer in, you know, um, and have them further evaluate if it's, you know, that, that high rafter is pushing and it's wearing the roof down. Is that something that could be fixed? Oftentimes with deflection, it's when they're laying that sheeting up there, you know, that's a, you know, 12 foot to 16 foot, depending on the size of it. And they have little metal H clips and they're setting them down. The wind catches it and those H clips are bent. Guess what it does? Little high spot in the roof decking. So it's a big nothing murder. So um, again, you know, it's, it's three flags for us. Then you further evaluate. I hope that makes sense enough to. to no, it does. It does because you're not putting yourself in a position to then make yourself out to be the expert. Like you say, you're not putting words in a report that can. I mean, buyer, it's an emotional process. They, it is. Yeah, and, and they get um, a buyer. It's whether it be first time a buyer, new or ex, experienced buyer, when they see. A red flag that the inspector has alluded to there's a possible issue. That's all they can focus on is laser focus. And um, they sometimes miss out on the report as a whole and how to get it to the finish line and just navigate those negotiations. That's what I like to work with 
with you is because you help us get us to the finish line with negotiating. Yeah. And, and again, that's why I've already said this three times, two times now. I'll say one more. You can't be alarmist. And it's not us keeping anything from anybody because at the end of the day, I don't care the condition of your home. You employed me to hire you to observe and report and to give you an overall perspective of the house and honestly, our opinion. And then at that, at that point, you know, it, it, I, we take great responsibility in, in, in presenting that to you back to and w- without being an alarmist and just present you with facts. And then, like you said, help navigate to a solution. Okay, let's talk about some old vintage homes. Let's talk about 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Are 80s vintage now, Joey? Um. Uh, They're fast approaching. (laughs) They're fast approaching. Okay. So these homes, you know, you find in the core of a city, downtown's area, sometimes even outside the downtown. I mean, we have a bunch of them in central Austin. You know, they have different piping, they have different electrical, they have different boxes, electrical panels, stuff like that. So the big general uh, thought theory here is, is that, you know, everybody needs to do a static water uh, test. And I'm I'm, I'm picking on this because it's um, a big industry misconception, right? So are there tests like camera tests, water tests, like are there different inspections that you believe a buyer should be prepared to do on a home that's older than probably 1980. So let's say the 1900s to 80s. If you were buying a home today, what would you be doing beyond your normal inspection report for an older home? Again, and that's that's another good question. It, and I've even put together a sheet, I believe. I mean, after this email, I mean, I'll give you the sheet. It prioritizes houses the ages that they were built and the things to look for. And I put that together for my, my inspector. So like if you're in a 1970s house, you know, that I know then from 60, early 60s, even up, I found it in 75, you know, you're going to be looking for aluminum wiring. You know, it existed during that time. Anything before that, you start getting to the knob and, knob and tube and the non-grounded systems. It changes about every 10 years. Um, so you can take it, like you're saying, early 1900s and, and you're going up, depending on the year of the house um, is going to tell you what you need to be on the lookout for. So is there any extra services? Well, if, if I'm in a house that's seventies and below, and when it comes to electrical, yeah, I'll, I'll be looking for aluminum wiring and has it been converted service coming into the house. A lot of the times your municipalities require you to do that if you add a bathroom or stuff. So a lot of times the service at the house has been upgraded, but they haven't done any of the branch circuit and it's aluminum. Also, when you come to the plumbing, they use brass, they use cast. Is there cast piping? If there's cast piping, I mean, a lot of this goes back onto the agents and being, you know, same as, as our clients should really vet and, and, and their home inspectors and look at their background. Same thing with the agents, you know, make sure your agent is, is well-versed um, in, in, in knowing these things. And, and you guys, if you're going to be looking at a 1940 house and put, a, put an offer in on a 1940 house, you need to be ready for 1940 problems and, and don't buy a, do. a 1940s house in your, in other words, if you're first time home buyer and you don't want to ever have to turn a wrench or a screwdriver, you probably don't want to be buying a 1940s house. They're beautiful. They're charming. Some people inspect them all the time. So obviously people <laughs> are, are buying them. That being said, it's going to be for us year specific and 
if, if you know that you have cast iron, yes, you need to do, you need to be doing a sewer scope, but you're asking me personally, if I'm buying a house and it has cast iron, if I do a sewer scope, it's only because I want to know how much longer I have <laughs> because it's cast iron it needs to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Right. Cast iron has right. a life. You know, same thing with the electrical. Okay. If I'm buying a house and I know it has aluminum, um, you know, and it's, it's an older house. I know it's not the current industry standards because of the age of the house. And, and so, you know what, I'm going to go ahead. All right. Uh, main panel service coming in, that's 6,500 bucks. And, and our branch circuits, depending on what I do, if it's aluminum, I'm going to need to pigtail it and add another $3,500 to that. It, it, it's age specific. And again, can't tell you how important it is to have somebody on your team that knows what they're looking at when it comes to that impossible remedies, not remedies, but. So you're using those additional inspections as a gauge to how many dollar signs are I'm going to be seeing if I buy this house in the future? Correct. 100%. You know, the state requirement is if an inspection report has been um, done within the last four years and they were delivered it and still have it, then um, when the sellers are in the seller's disclosure, that they have to identify that they've done any reports um, or done any inspections in the last four years. My only question here is, how much stock should a buyer put in that inspection? I mean, I, I've seen this be a roller coaster where they look at this um, inspection report and then they look at the one they just did and they're trying to base old data with new data. So would you care about an old inspection report or would you just look at it to see condition and maybe see how much the, the seller has done to the home or fixed or repaired based on their old report? Right there. What you just said, that's, <clears throat> that's the only stock I would put into it. I mean, so much, so much changes in 30 days, you know, I mean, I'm on new construction homes and we'll do a final inspection and they don't close for another four weeks and, and, <laughs> and our client gets in and then they're upset because the toilet's cracked or something. And this is new construction, you know, or, and it's like, well, yeah, that was four weeks ago. I mean, you've had, you know, 30 different trades in the house. That's new construction side. You, you're buying a pre-sale or a pre-existing house and, and, and yeah, it had an inspection two years ago. Well, guess what's happened here in Texas in two years? We've had snowmageddon. We've had, you know, uh, dry weather to, to, to extremely wet. And then that's expansive soil. So there's, uh, I mean, your house is changing daily. So for sure, take a look at it because it's going to tell you a little bit of background on it. If you look at a report and there was plumbing issues and you found an active leak, then that's going to give you some insight to say, okay, well, was it done right? And has it held up for the past year, two years, three years, however old the report was. So there's some good information into it. But then again, remember, we don't know who inspected that house. Were they fresh out of school and they walked the house with a, you know, six inch IRCC booklet and, and, and wrote a 150 page report? You know, you know it's, it's look at it. How much stock to put on it? I would say it just gives you a little bit more information on the house, but um, sure. still have your inspector go through and, and take a look at it. It could give you important information, but at the end of the day, I don't even really care to look at it as an inspector because a lot of times they'll attach them. And I was like, I, I don't want to see it. I'm, it's, it's a new day for us. Well, that's another thing is um, I'm a firm believer my inspector needs to know nothing about the house when they walk in the door. They need to see it with a very um, fresh set of eyes. It's only after they've seen the home and we're debriefing at the very end 
does a buyer or buyer's agent should or pull into the fact, oh, on the seller's disclosure, the seller said X or on this old inspection report, there was, you know, there was Y or whatever. And so yeah. you don't want to derail your inspector to believe what and find, you know, what they, the seller said, right? You want your inspector to find it on them on their own. Yep. And if I look at those reports, that's typically when I look at them, I do my job first and then I'll come back and look mm-hmm. at them and it either answers questions for me if I have any questions or it's like, okay, yeah, looks like that stuff was corrected. So this is my, I'm going to, before we move on, this is my big pet peeve with inspect, not inspectors or not inspections. It's, it's the, the, the buyer part of the process. And I tell my buyers this all the time. You're, you're hiring someone to come in and be your eyes and ears about your property. You don't, don't show up to the property while they're inspecting, leave them alone. You don't want to distract them. It's not your window to measure. It's not your window to come piggyback and be over their shoulder and ask questions and, you know, constantly be a bug in their ear because they're going to miss something. So, you know, find out either show up in the last 30 minutes of the inspection and walk that property or, You'll get the full robust report, digest it, and have a consult with your inspector if they're able to later, but do not show up during that time of inspection. When you do, you're opening the door for someone to miss something very important because you're a distraction. And a lot of buyers cringe when I say that, but in the end of the day, it's for their own benefit. Yeah, 100%. Okay, we talked a a little bit about new construction homes a second ago. so. Definitely a buyer can get an um, a, a inspection on a new home when it's built, whether it's already built or in phases, right? So we talked, you talked about how, you know, hiring inspector has that building background so they can use that lingo to talk to that builder to make sure it's relevant. I mean, there's inspections along the way with a builder, city inspections, builder inspections. But if someone's building, why are they hiring you along the way? And then doing their others. And I know the answer to this, but why would you put that additional money into the equation when, like you said, some of these builders are throwing reports, hopefully not yours, but throwing reports in trash cans and saying, oh, no, we're not going to fix that. Or talk to me about why a buyer would still go to do their own due diligence. Well, I can tell you from my experience uh, as a builder, looking at these reports uh, again, and, and that inspector, I could tell by their verbiage and lingo that they've never built a home. And then the stuff they're calling out, yeah, is stuff for Rhode Island or New England or or Maine, but has nothing to do with here in Texas and how we build, you know. And again, it causes problems for our clients and it's wasting my time. So that in regards to that's why I threw them away. Um or didn't look at them, and I could tell instantly. Now, if you look at our social media feeds, we, we try to do really well at that. We're, we're just so busy. We, we need to do better at it. But in a, being in a day and age of social media and stuff, we try to post some of the findings and those type things because we see it again. Again, we're blessed to be in so many homes that we are. We see it day in and day out. And from my perspective and how I've trained my men and even the ones that, that, that are builders, which the majority of them have been builders, I tell them all, hey, guys, we're a third set of eyes. Punch this house like like you punched your houses when you were working for, you know, Scott Felder, or like when you were working for Lenar, or like when you're working for Dia Horton uh, or Highland. I mean, we worked for all these builders before as builders. So treat it as if you were the superintendent. By doing that, 
when you're a builder, I'd like to say that I gave that kind of attention and detail that I do now as an inspector, but I did not. There was a time in Benbrook when I was working for D.L. Horton, we were carrying now, of course, I had two assistants, but we were carrying 142 homes, 142 homes under construction. Did I give that much of time and attention to my frame punches that I do now because you're paying me 200 bucks to 300 bucks to spend two hours in a house to punch it? I never spent that. I was doing 10 houses in that kind of time as a builder because I had to walk a third of what the other built. We had to get to those houses every single day. So is it a valuable 100%? We're just making that house that much tighter. And that's the good thing about us and how we're even doing our new construction phase inspections because we let the builders be the builders. We let the city inspectors be the city inspectors and the engineers be the engineers. We're coming in and I'm looking at jack studs and teen studs at a rough window opening that has a, a, a gap at the bottom that I can stick my pocket knife through. At the end of the day, that's not a showstopper, but we want to shim and glue that because when you're year two and you have that sheetrock crack that's coming in diagonally over that window and you decide to sell your house and this client thinks, oh my gosh, foundation issues. No, we just got four or five different window rough openings that there was some overcut lumber and they didn't shim and glue it. If you take space from one area, you got to give it to another area. So mm-hmm. for me, I love new construction because I see so much weight in that process. And one, it's my background. It's all I've done. And, and, and I love it. So you can look at our social media page. I always tell people, is it worth it? We get people calling in, hey, my agent recommended or my buddy or my brother recommended. What do y'all actually do? Is it worth it? Well, of course, it's, we're going to say, <laughs> of course, it's worth it. We, we direct people to our social media. Look at our Instagram account. Look at the stuff I find on foundations. Look at the stuff that I find on, you know, uh, framing. Look at the stuff that we find on plumbing. I mean, these are serious things that, you know, save so much time and money later on down the road. I will say as an agent who has or a broker who has sold new construction, help the buyer buy it, right? And the buyer has decided to forego or inspect, it doesn't matter. When someone who has assisted a seller who I didn't represent as a buyer sell that brand new home two years, three years down the line and seeing the issues that were not identified when that buyer didn't go through those processes and those those third-party inspections. And then we're dealing with those issues now because the buyer's asking for those issues to be corrected. Those buyers that end up turning sellers, which we have a lot in Central Texas, people move around for tech all the time. People move for government jobs or, or, or education jobs all the time. It could be you decide what, you're going to live in this forever home and three years later, you're moving to another state because of your job. So my best advice is button up those issues on the very front end so you don't have them on that selling end when, that, when you have a snap of the finger sell. Yeah, that's 100% uh, true. And again, from an unbiased standpoint on houses, so like today I'm doing a, a warranty after this, I got a 1030. I did the pre-pour on that house. I did the frame on the house and I did the final on that house. I have two warranties today, but that's my first warranty. I'll go through that house and I promise you, Jennifer, I'll have maybe a page, you know, maybe eight items, seven items maybe on that warranty. It is night and day difference. The second warranty was a referral, actually two streets over four where I'm living. Today's going to be an easy day because we had this podcast. I wasn't in that house. And this is a 3,800 square foot house. This is the first time I've ever been in the house. And from my understanding, nobody's ever been in that house. 
I guarantee you those reports will be drastically different. If you are in the property through construction, it's an unbiased third set of eyes. Is it detrimental the house is falling down? No. But is it a very tight, squared away product for, hey, it's new construction. That's why they have the warranty. But in order to make this squared away and tight, you got to cut holes in Shearox. I got it. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it is two different products that we see, again, houses we've been through, or even not even us been through. They hired somebody else and we come through however reason, you know, their dad used this. So they're using us for the final, but some other company did the other inspections. Either way, it is night and day different. It is. And my my next question for you is talking about that warranty, because it's becoming more and more common for for builders, for their salespeople to say, oh, buyer, our house is already built or our house is almost complete. We've done, you know, we've done all these inspections. It's great. What we're going to do instead of you inspecting now before you close, what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to inspect the month. 10th or month 11 as your ownership and just give us a list and let us fix those items later. So that's what Joey's talking about when he says that warranty inspection and mm-hmm. why the first house that he's been in has very little to give because he's already caught everything. And then the one that he's never been in will probably be much longer. But what are your thoughts on the buyer being told, just refrain from those inspections, just do them a year later? Again, uh, from being on it's that baffling. side of it, I can tell you as, as a builder, why they don't like third parties is because third parties slow up the process. They mm-hmm. can find potential items that now pushes closes out, you know, and they'd much rather let's, Hey, let's, let's get closed on this. Let's quit paying the, the, the entrance that we've been paying on the last 13 months during this build. Let's get paid. And that's why we have a warranty and, and, and you guys can handle the warranty. Well, that's easy for them to say because it's not your house. It's not their house. So you don't want your bathtub being ripped out of the house because there was, you know, a misaligned tub trap, P trap underneath that tub and, and it falls under the warranty. Guess what? All that headache and, and dust and problems from that, they don't care. That's that's you. It's going to get fixed. So Hey, don't worry about it. It'll get fixed. It's it's just again perspective, and 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 that's why they kind of push to that. Hey, you know what? That's why we get the warranty. That's why you got the warranty. Yeah, exactly. Which you know, I, I have one right now where we're, we're just walking in. The house is built, ready to go. They're closing in a week because it's a cash transaction. So unfortunately, the buyer is navigating that process, regardless of what the recommendation was. Let's talk about what the state requires in terms of pre-licensing training. Before and after being licensed, and you mentioned there's no type of apprenticeship required post-licensure. So what does it um, involve for someone to get licensed and being newly licensed and, you know, they're writing solo? And what do they have to do after the license to continue that education? And the reason why I'm asking you this, because I'm trying to go down the path that it's probably wise to work with someone who has some deal of education under the hood beyond what they're learning from the state. Yeah. Kind of going back to what we said, their background and their history, because mm-hmm. nowadays, if you have, there's companies out there that is as cheap as about 1800 bucks. If you got 1800 bucks, you can be a home inspector. If you're a good test taker, that's another thing they did this past year. They taken away for on the prof- professional side, they've, they've reduced the test. I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this. I think there's like 175 questions. 
on, on our state licensing, 175. That's, and there's more on a driving test, you know, if you're 16 years old and, and you, I mean, it, that's just craziness. So, and with no apprenticeship. So 1800 bucks and you're a good test taker and you can figure out how to pull that off on 175 questions. You can start in, inspecting homes for people. That's all that's required now, depending on extra services and those type of things. So like, yes, we're licensed through the Texas Department of Agricultural to do the wood destroying insects. Same thing with not, that's the septic systems. I try to encourage my team to, to get licensing that, that is going to benefit them in regards to what they can make money off of, obviously. Um, but every year you got to have, or it's every two years, total of 32 hours continuing education. And as you know, or if you've ever been in a profession of continuing education, some of that stuff is a joke. I mean, you're just sitting there on a, you know, TV screen or, you know, computer screen, just click, click, you know, and then it gives you, you miss these. So you retake it again until you pass it. And then there's your continuing education. You know, the state of Texas, you could actually go and look at your inspectors and see what classes they've taken for continuing education. So, I mean, that's kind of cool too. You can see, I think I just did the, the new electrical because electrical was just changed and there was a lot to be implemented this this next year so i did that for plumbing and electrical and you can see that on 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 the on the trek website but education again i hate saying it i really do because this is my profession this is what i love i'm blessed to do what i love for a living is kind of a joke it is and it's unfortunately a joke on the real estate side too and that's why you need to vet your realtor just similarly to how you vet your inspector Because I've worked for you for so long now, like this is why I work with you is because you don't let your inspector go rogue when they first come in. You want them to be trained to a specific level and education. So it's because they're a representation of you. But what are you doing to require them to have a almost like a standard or above standard education? So to begin with, first, I did the apprenticeship. My guys have anywhere from guys and gals. Chloe is one of my newest inspectors. I got from her from D.L. Horton. She was with me for 11 months, not because she needed to, because the state was lagging on giving you know, her, her, her license, uh, issuing it to her. But either way, typically about eight months and about 700 inspections is what I require my men and women to have before they hit the ground running. There's so many reasons behind that. One, because like I said, 1800 bucks and you're a good test taker in three months, you can go and inspect somebody's million dollar home, $2 million home or $300,000 home. And you've never been in a house before outside of the, I think, four that the state requires you to shadow somebody on. But another thing that I do that's beyond the knowledge, and this comes to a little bit about us, you know, we're, we're, we're prior service as well. And so I kind of took that approach when I'm training my guys. My guys ride with me for that long. I only paid them $2,000 a month and they're riding with the boss. 16 hour days sometimes, 12 hour days. I know that's stupid. I mean, businessman, a businessman. I shouldn't be working that much still, but I do. The reason for doing that, aside from the knowledge, is the commitment. I want to make sure that they love what they're doing because if they don't love what they're doing and if they're not committed 210% to what they're doing, they're not going to give you their 110%. And again, when I say I take this very personal that the, the job we do for you, giving you the best outlook and, and view on your property, it, it's not a job for us. It's, it's a livelihood and, and, and we're passionate about it. So my team and what we do, you've you got to be able to, to go through the trenches for that eight months or so, sometimes a year. 
you got to be able to get 700 to 750 inspections underneath your belt where I'm shadowing you or we're teaming it and I'm seeing what you're doing. I slowly, you know, push you out that way to where I'm just shadowing you now doing that. In addition to, I require you to be, you know, licensing over and beyond Trek uh, for your professional home inspector is your, your not, uh, which is your septic systems, wastewater technologies, your TDA, Texas Department of Agriculture. And then you can look at their, I require or not require, I highly suggest that our continuing education for the, uh, for the electrical, plumbing, and foundations post-tension slabs. So you'll notice we do zip levels and a lot of that stuff too. A lot of your other firms throw that in there. Well, again, anybody can buy a $1,200, $1,500 zip level and measure out for you and give you a nice little diagram and show you the differences. That's horrible. I can have two and a half. I'm in brand new homes with two and a half, three inches of deflection from my front left corner to my rear right corner. And guess what? Jennifer, this is a brand new house. There's nothing wrong with that because we have a 90 feet difference between there and there's going to be that difference. So again, continuing education on, on your zip levels and foundation measurements, those type of things. So we just take a different approach. I don't want you to just be a home inspector. I, I want you to love what you do. I want you to be passionate about it. I want you to be happy to come to work. You're not just checking boxes. And so the whole ride not with me apprenticeship, I'm personal to that because I think that was the worst thing that the state could have done many years ago is take that apprenticeship away. You're not going to, like you said, you're not going to be an electrician without going on a, an apprenticeship. You got to go through the trenches. You got to be doing the grunt work. You got to be doing the rough pulls, pulling that wire, sweating, working 16 hours, 15 hours a day. I implement that the same way on my side and, and how I do it. Another thing that that vets out, I can't tell you how many people go through this and they don't make it with me. They're already home inspectors and they didn't make it with me. And guess what, Jennifer? I can give you some names and they're out there doing their own thing. They're a home inspector, <laughs> not knocking them. However, that home inspector didn't want to push it and go through the trenches. It's a livelihood for them, but they're not passionate about it. They don't eat, breathe and, and sleep it. They don't love it. They're not, you know, because they couldn't do it this way. And I know that's one-sided, it's my-sided, but that's what you get with Inspected Austin. And, and, and I've, I think I have a pretty successful plan and, and, and business plan set in place. And, and my team of people, we love it. We love it. I do it for free. And that's why our brokerage in Austin, we use you as um, inspectors because just of what you said. So I believe that if you are going to hire the best realtor or the best mortgage lender, you need to be having to hire the best inspector. If you don't, you've we've let one leg of your team down. So Joey, let's talk about ways how people can find you. So websites, um, phone numbers, like if someone wanted to, is buying right now and wants to connect so they know who you are when they're ready to, to um, hire inspection, what is the best way to reach you? Best way is probably just our, our website. If you Google from your phone or whatnot, um, if you Google um, Inspected Austin, um, it'll pull us up. I mean, the website's www.inspectedaustin.com. And from that website, you can look at those sample reports. We talked about the resources. You can get prices. You can even click on the social media links, again, to, to look at some of those crazy findings and <laughs> some, some of the things that we come across as, as home inspectors. And then our scheduling number is on that main page as well. Also to our online scheduler. The majority of our inspectors are up there too. So you can kind of see each inspector, their family. We kind of, we, we, we've put our families up there too. So you can get a look of, again, it's not just 
the, the inspector, it's, it's who they are, where they've been, what they've done. And, and, and it's a, uh, all around perspective on what you're getting. So I'd say the website for sure. Perfect. Well, we'll make sure we link to that for sure. Now, is there, is there anything, Joey, that you want to add that we haven't talked about that you believe um, a listener, whether it be buyer, seller, or even a homeowner should, should know about inspections or the process or reports? If anything, it, and it's what, not, not necessarily what to expect with a home inspection, but it's so hard. We're, we're coming to a point now where it's not so crazy fast where we're in those three day option periods and stuff. So our, our clients have a little bit more time to, to breathe, digest and, and, and take everything in. But I think it's real crucial in regards to kind of what we talked about when you were talking about ages and things specific and extra services. When you meet with your agent, you have to decide the biggest thing for me. And this is the differences I've seen when I do inspections on new construction, extremely old, you know, historic homes, and then just really big homes to your, your entry-level starter homes, figure out where you're at, which category you fall into. Hopefully your agent is doing that for you, but if they're not, then you need to do it for yourself and figure out which category you fall into. And then whatever category that is, it kind of helps you understand, okay, hey, I want the old historic house. So I'm going to be prepared to, to go into this and possible items. I need to go into that knowing that I'm going to have some money for repairs, whether you negotiate it or not be prepared to, to go in that versus, you know what? I'm new first time. Uh, I want to get in this real estate game and investment properties. I'm going to buy me a, a nice new little entry level home, live in it two years and do that over and over again for the next 10, you know, put yourself in a category. And then from there, get your home inspection done and, and, and create a plan. That's great advice. It's to kind of go backwards. So I, 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 we think about that, but we really never say that. So. Well, here are a few episode reminders to take away. Um, when vetting that inspector, it's possible to obtain a sample report to understand how the inspector delivers the terms from their reporting style and the, that language used in the report. Remember that words in life have meaning, but they especially have meaning when placed on an actual inspection report. The buyer can have a third-party inspection when um, done on a new construction home, and it's actually something that you should start the minute that that slab is poured. And then the last thing that for my key takeaways, I believe that it is um, important to understand that from um, the inspectors, it's very easy to get an inspector um, license and to, to run into that space. So making sure that you're working with someone who is actually truly has a very big apprenticeship because that is not something that uh, the state requires anymore to make sure that you're hiring someone who has the highest level of competence. Thank you, Joey, for your wisdom and for your time uh, to help Texans better understand how to vet and inspectors. They understand the inspection report and when to hire an inspect, uh, inspector and so on. Yeah, we appreciate uh, you having us, Jennifer. Thanks again. No problem. Um, so before I wrap, I wanted to give you a little sneak peek of our next episode featuring Denise Hosak with Annie McMortgage. We'll talk about why rates are so high still, if it's still really a good time to buy because those rates are high. And for those uh, who need and want to buy now, how to buy your next home before rates plummet um, or again, and how to maybe um, buy that next home before you sell your existing home. Thanks to everyone at home or on the go for listening. If you find this show helpful, please hit that follow or subscribe button. 
button. It does wonders for the show and allows more people to find Urban Connect organically. If you have questions about anything we've talked about, please send an email to Jennifer at Urban Connect Podcast. I read every email I get, whether it's an episode idea, a guest recommendation, or a simple note letting me know how the show has impacted you. I'd love to hear from you. I'm Jennifer Ashambo, and I'll see you on the next episode.